there is something almost religious about the whole thing, almost supernatural. It's a story that has recurred throughout the ages, the idea of the tart with a heart. <laughs> you almost lose your sense of reason because you're so swept away by this beatific sound. Verdi's La Traviata, one of opera's greatest love stories, an exquisite melding of real-life heartbreak and mythic depth. The heroine is Violetta, a beautiful, witty courtesan who entertains high-class men at the pinnacle of the Parisian elite. But Violetta's life of luxury and pleasure can't last. From the moment the violins begin the prelude to Act One, Verdi gives us musical hints about the cruel fate that will befall Violetta. Glyndebourne's dramaturg, Corey Ellison. I like to think of it as a portrait of Violetta in three parts. It starts with her decline. We hear these high chromatic strings dissolving in these sort of sobbing appoggiaturas. And it's very a translucent texture describing the ill-consumptive Violetta on, on the verge of death. Then you hear one of the main themes that, that you hear for the first time that runs through the opera. Da, 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 da. And that's sort of the love sacrifice theme, if you will, and you hear it a bunch of times throughout the opera. And then that theme comes back, it gets passed over to the cellos, the low strings, and over it you hear this very frivolous kind of filigree. And that's kind of the public face of, of Violetta. It's sort of the frivolous Violetta, kind of dancing uh, playfully around this long lyrical thing, which I feel are her true colors, the loving and lyrical Violetta. Verdi drew his inspiration from the story of the short life of one of the 19th century's most celebrated courtesans, Marie Duplessis, who died from consumption when she was just 23. Marie had relationships with some of the most important men in Paris, but she also fell in love with the young novelist Alexandre Dumas-Fille. He immortalised her, first in a novel and then in a play, which had a profound effect on Verdi when he saw it in Paris in 1852. Julie Kavanagh is the author of The Girl Who Loved Camellias, a book about the life of Marie Duplessis. Marie Duplessis, who was the original Violetta, was not a cool girl or a prostitute, as some people might think. She had worked her way up the different sort of levels from being a shop girl to being what's called a grand horizontale, which was the sort of pinnacle of her profession. Courtesans were very sought after because they obviously were going to be very beautiful and they would be expected to be at a table with some of the most brilliant minds in Paris and hold their own. So that was very much where Violetta was at the point that the opera opens. The effervescent Violetta is hosting a high society party, but she's already dying of tuberculosis. When Violetta drops the party girl veneer for a moment, Verdi allows us to glimpse for the first time the depths of her character. 
Dr. Francesco Izzo from the University of Southampton. Verdi is a master at depicting loneliness. Party scene in Act One. Chorus, champagne, and many characters are on stage. And then uh, guests are sent elsewhere, and she's left alone. She's feeling unwell. She's already ill. So she looks at herself in the mirror and she says, Oh, qual pallor. You know, I am so pale. You have her and her image in the mirror. And there's this reflection of, of who she is and who she is becoming as a sick woman and as a lonely person. The vulnerability of the character comes across so powerfully in that one brief moment. Violetta's frivolous world is turned upside down by the arrival of the young Alfredo. As Julie Kavanagh explains, their first encounter mirrored the meeting between Alexandre Dumas-Fille and Marie Duplessis. Marie says she mustn't bother to fall in love with her, she just wants a friend. And that's very much what Violetta says as well. But he really cares for her and he really is concerned about her health. And I think that was the sort of prelude to their love affair. And that is completely based on fact. True love seems a real possibility for Violetta, but she's not one to easily leave her socialite life behind. Corey Ellison again. The first time that Alfredo and Violetta steal a few moments together, when the rest of the guests go off to dinner and they're left alone together, and he explains to her, you know, in, in this beautiful duet, Un di felice, one day, one happy day a year ago, I, I caught sight of you for the first time and I instantly fell in love. And it's this beautiful, gorgeous, lyrical theme that he sings that develops into another of the most important musical themes in Traviata, where he describes love as being both uh, torment and delight, croce delizio, and it's something we hear over and over again. She sings a completely different sort of music back to him that's very flirtatious and capricious and basically uh, don't bother with me because I can never be what, what you want me to be and I'm not the marrying kind. And then he comes back at her, though, with the same lyrical love music, the same croce delizia. And by the end of the duet, she's singing basically his melody. They're singing in thirds together. So Verdi is showing us that already Alfredo and this idea of true love is already captivating her early in the first act.
Violetta ends Act One musing on what life would be like if she allowed herself to love Alfredo. But the party girl soon returns. She spins out this beautiful lyrical music imagining what it would be like to be in, happily in love. And then, very abruptly, she says, folie, folie, that's crazy. The singing actress doing Violetta has to find what makes her snap out of the reverie. So it's surprising that by the time Act Two begins, Violetta has fallen completely in love with Alfredo, left behind her fast life in the city and settled down in the country, seemingly for a life of happiness. For Julie Kavanagh, Verdi made an important dramatic change. Verdi cuts straight to the chase. You actually don't see much of the lovers at their happiest because what's important to him, I think, is not so much to show the relationship with Alfredo but to have this great sort of transformation of Violetta's character, which comes with the confrontation with Alfredo's father, Germont. Violetta's happy life is about to fall apart. Alfredo's father, Germont, comes to see her. He demands that Violetta leave his son for fear that her salacious past might cause a scandal that could threaten his daughter's marriage. It's La Traviata's emotional tipping point. He says, you know, well, you may have this idyllic love relationship now, but a little bit later, when you get older and you lose your looks, he's going to lose interest, and then where will you be, you know? So he really works on, on her. He kind of gets to her Achilles heel. The contrast between Germont being very brutal and, and the, the music becomes very ploddy and he's setting out dung, 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 exactly what's going to happen. And then she just bursts into this astonishing capitulation. And then his voice becomes mellow suddenly and mellifluous and, and sort of melts into hers and, and, and that's, I just can't fail to get goosebumps every time I hear it. Mm -hmm. 
says, okay, tell your daughter that I'm making this sacrifice on her behalf. The fact that she can almost reinvent herself by helping this young girl counts for a lot, and I think she sacrifices her own happiness more for the girl than for Alfredo and for love of Alfredo. For Verdi, this kind of societal pressure was close to home. At the time he wrote La Traviata, he was living with the soprano Giuseppina Streponi, and they weren't married. Verdi explores some of the issues that were important to him personally. The existence of an unjust, restrictive society so Violetta is the victim, directly of Germon and his concern for family respectability. But more broadly, Violetta is the victim of a whole society that has exploited her, that has isolated her, and uh, that, that in the end has rejected her. Violetta makes the ultimate sacrifice. In a display of extraordinary courage, she sits down to write Alfredo a letter ending their relationship. When Alfredo reads the letter, he's devastated and resolves to confront Violetta. We find ourselves at Flora's party to which Violetta has been invited. Alfredo arrives and confronts her quite brutally in front of all of the guests and says to them, I want you all to be my witnesses that um, I am paying her back now and throws the money at her. <laughs> Here, there's a shift in the dynamics of power that foreshadows the end of the opera. The shamed Violetta becomes the wronged woman. And Germont, the cause of all the anguish, denounces his son's behaviour. Is this my son that I brought up? Uh, you should be ashamed of yourself for insulting a woman like that. Act two ends with Alfredo expressing his remorse at having treated Violetta this way um, and Violetta just grieving over what's happened. Verdi takes us from bliss to devastation. Violetta is on her deathbed, being looked after by her servant, Anina. It is like one of those Renaissance paintings where you have one big figure at the center, and that's Violetta, and then these other characters that surround her. There is something almost religious about the whole thing, almost supernatural. Violetta reads a note from Germont in which he tells her that Alfredo now knows about the sacrifice she made for his sister, and that he will be with her soon. The lovers are reunited and all is forgiven, but it's too late and Violetta knows it. At one point, there's this incredibly brash brass chord. We hear this stabbing brass chord. And that's the moment after which she says to Alfredo, if your return isn't curing me, then nothing will. And that's the moment where she really realizes that she's going to die. And she goes on to accept that.
In one of the scene's most touching moments, Verdi diverts attention away from the lovers for a moment to show the reconciliation between Germont and Violetta. Germont comes and tells her, I come here to embrace you as a daughter. Marie was an orphan. Her mother deserted her and her sister and her father was brute and abusive and, and died. So I think the moment when Germont actually says that he's going to embrace her as a daughter to me has great power because I think that would have meant a great deal. Although physically destroyed by her illness, Verdi's music shows us just how strong Violetta is. When she sings her final lyrical period, that music is accompanied by brief interventions of the brass. You hear these pa ba bum, pa ba bum. Which is a figure that one might associate with a funeral march, but it is a figure that conveys the sense of a heroic death. She dies not as a victim, but she dies as a heroine. It is powerful in the truest sense of the adjective. Violetta on her deathbed is truly empowered in a way that she never was in, in, in her life before. And as theater and as music, that's, for me, unrivaled. La Traviata has been interpreted in hundreds of different ways and audiences and performers are drawn to it time after time. What is it that makes it so enduring? Dumas Fils romanticised the original girl, who, who was much more feisty and realistic. But Verdi, in making her renounce her happiness, turns her into an absolute saint at the end. And I think without the music, that just wouldn't cut ice, it just wouldn't work. And so you almost lose your sense of reason because you're so swept away by this beatific sound. Verdi himself wrote about Traviata. He described it as a subject for our times. You know, did he mean it was a subject for his own time, 1853? Or did he mean it's a subject for all times? It's a mythical trope. Um, it's a story that has recurred throughout the ages, the idea of the tart with a heart. <laughs> and um, that's one of the reasons why we return to this story again and again and again. You know, for those who feel like, oh, this couldn't happen today, it absolutely could. The music we've been listening to is taken from the Decca Classics recording with the orchestra and chorus of the Royal Opera House, conducted by Sir George Schulte. Violetta was sung by Angela Gilgit.